listening to Radio Owl's Nest. The songs of Martin Page, all day, all night, forever. So grab a cup of tea, settle down with us in the Owl's Nest. Yes, settle down, settle down now, crew. Don't get too excited. Episode 40, bloody three. Episode 43 here, your host, Martin Page. I'm going to lead you through an amazing radio show today. (laughs) Well, (laughs) if you want a good laugh, this is probably the place to come to because I'm going to play some of my songs and uh, my demos and my rarities from the past. Uh... A lot of you, uh, our heads out there, know the procedure, so I probably do not have to explain that this is a songwriter's podcast. And let's get straight to it. Um, I released an album, uh, a a volume two of an album called The Poetry of Collisions, Um, and it was all about uh, the demos that I played here on Radio Owl's Nest throughout all these episodes. And there was one song from volume two that um, I was very pleased to find and put on that album, and it's called We Let the stars go out. That sounded a bit Hampshire, didn't we? Let the stars go out. And uh, I want to play it to you again now because I've got some stories about it. Here's the demo from the Poetry of Collisions, Volume 2, We Let the Stars Go Out.
We Let the Stars Go Out. That's from an album of mine called The Poetry of Collisions, uh, Volume 2. Yes, there was a Volume 1. Uh, and <laughs> uh, on my own independent label, Ironing Board Records. What can I remember about this song? A lot of things, actually. I remember that I bought a new microphone, um, a Bayer microphone, a handheld, that Phil Collins had turned me on to when he was playing drums on my album in the House of Stone and Light. And it has that kind of middle tone that uh, seemed right for this song. I remember using that microphone, still got it, and uh, when I hear these demos sometimes I think, I need to go to the microphone uh, cabinet and use them again. And around this period when I wrote this song, um, and it was the era of Deacon Blue, the Scottish band in England, Big Dish I loved, and uh, Prefab Sprout. Any of you guys out there remember that band? And it was really great to do an introspective kind of emotional song, but with a rhythmic flavour, which really was happening then in that period, the Phil Collins period. And I remember programming an S1000 Akai sampler to do those drums and playing the live bass, and it had a shuffle rhythm, um, which, uh, listening back now, I I like the rhythm a great deal, and I think I sort of, on a 16 track, got quite a good vibe with the rhythm section there. And it's all about chords. It's all about chords for me, particularly in that period when I was really really trying to not only write commercial but also get a flavour of emotion and I was using an MKS 20 for all you nerds in the studio a Roland MKS 20 piano um, sample and uh, I got a feeling I think of uh, keeping a minimal um, ballad vibe but also having a rhythmic sense which we had in that uh, Phil Collins period which went on for quite a while anyway That's from The Poetry of Collisions, Volume 2. I think it's track three on that album. It's called We Let the Stars. No, I'm not a pirate, but we let the stars go out. We're going to learn more about the owl's mysterious world. Well, that would be great. I'd love to hear about the owl's mysterious world. That's what we're here for. Outside, it sounds like. Flying blind won't stop her eating. (laughs) And nothing will stop me eating fish and chips, pizza, all the worst stuff in the world. Because although she can't see it, Ah. she can hear her prey. Ah, good. She loves good music. And so onward we go. Let's play some good music. Yes, this is a rare demo written with the great Peter Cox and Richard Drummy from the band Go West. A 16-track demo a song called Secret Life. There's a cloud up in the sky. I can't find a place to hide. A bad car gets bigger every day. Yeah. Tell me who turned out the lights. Won't you give me back my sunshine?
Well, that was lovely to hear. A song written with Peter Cox and Richard Drummy from the band Go West. I remember a lot of details about this demo, uh, particularly with uh, Peter Cox uh, being an oh, incredible singer. Also, I thought he was a frustrated bass player and drummer because he got such a rhythmic sense in the way he sang. And also on this demo, he programmed some of the bass and... Um, and he understood what the drums were going to do. That's what singers do when they're really great. And Richard Drummy, this is a very underrated guitarist. Listen to the rhythm he's playing there. We put a chorus on his uh, Stratocaster guitar and uh, listen to the rhythm there. That's pretty fantastic. Um, I think music and songwriting is the great equaliser. It brings people from all generations of life into one place. And I felt that with working with Richard and Peter, that we all had different upbringings and came from different backgrounds. But when you're writing that song that you really care about, the equaliser takes place and you're all in the same team. Um, I remember also for the nerds again, the guys that want to know about the studio stuff, I was using Roland D550 sounds on that. And um, when we finished the demo, uh, while we did the first day of recording, the boys went home, well, to the hotel, and I worked all through the night to get on the 16 track a cassette. Yes, do you remember those? Cassette uh, mix for them for the next day. Those were the good old days, I suppose. And I recall that really in that period, we're talking about the late 80s and the 90s, beginning of the 90s, all the songwriters were producers. <laughs> Every songwriter had an idea what the sound should be, the way the demo should be produced. I think at that time, particularly, uh, uh, songwriters were also very aware of what production was about. And I just got an, an email from a great friend of mine who... Um, it's actually my best friend, uh, along with Brian Fairweather. This guy called Willie White, a photographer from uh, who lives in London now and who travelled with me as a young kid to uh, Los Angeles. And Willie White has become a successful, very successful photographer in uh, London. Check him out. And quite recently, he was taking pictures of Peter Cox. How weird is that? My best friend from Southampton, right back to being kids, is taking pictures of... Uh, Peter Cox for his solo work. Weird, but wonderful. And this leads me on to another brilliant vocalist. We're talking about Peter Cox, and now we're talking about Philip Bailey, the lead singer with Maurice White for Earth, Wind and Fire. Uh, Brian Fairweather and myself, when we first came to L.A. in the 80s, we wrote a song called Always. And we thought that, yes, if we could get Philip Bailey, yes, if we could get Philip Bailey to do the song, that would be incredible because we've written it that way. And Philip Bailey was just about to record with Phil Collins on his first solo album called Chinese War. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if Philip would sing this song? And he did. We went to Earth, Wind & Fire Studio, the complex in Los Angeles. And there, we did the demo. Here's a song called Always. Always, I'll be right here beside you. Always, you'll feel my strength inside you. Oh, 
Philip Bailey, yeah, the lead singer with Maurice White for Earth, Wind and Fire. That's an airplane. Can you hear it going over the studio? Yes, this is home recording at its best. Sounded a bit like the Second World War. I thought a Stuka was coming in to get me there. Um, but going back to this uh, song, always very special time for me coming into America um, at the beginning of my career with Brian Fairweather from the band Q-Phil. I was writing songs not just for the band uh, Q-Phil, but for uh, other artists. And I started this song right back in London, the late, uh, end of the 70s, actually, on a, on a little piano in Ockenden Road in a flat. Above that photographer, I was talking about Willie White. He comes into it again. But back in London at that time, I was writing these songs that I was trying to get the feeling for American music. And I thought, wouldn't it be brilliant if I could write a song for Earth, Wind & Fire? And I remember writing the lyric for Always and thinking, Philip Bailey, oh, because I was singing the demo falsetto. And think about it. I was teaching Philip Bailey in Los Angeles how to sing Always, and we made the demo. Ah, oh, makes you shiver, doesn't it? Dreams can come true. Unfortunately... <laughs> The, the 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 song didn't go on to Chinese Wall uh, with Phil Collins uh, producing, but the experience was immense. And yes, P.S. Uh, you've guessed it. Philip Bailey was a wonderful, soulful, and lovely man to work with. Here are true facts about the owl. Baby owls are called owlets, and they look like a cotton ball that grew a face and legs. Owlets are born without flight feathers, and because they are vulnerable, they camouflage themselves as Muppets. A home demo with John Waite.
song called Ghost in Your Heart, written with John Waite and Jonathan Kane for the band Bad English. Eventually that song went on to an album that became a platinum album in uh, USA and a gold album in Canada. I think it went to 21 in the American uh, LP charts. That's in the days when albums sold, no streaming, just albums sold. And the album was on Epic Records, I think, a yellow label. I love my labels. I remember all the colours of the labels. Yellow in England, but I think in America it was a black label. Yes, I'm a nerd for vinyl album label colours. And I think the album was called Bad English, and it was released in, I think it was uh, 1989. <laughs> I could be wrong, because I'm getting old. But John Waite, what a vocalist. Um, a great joy to do a demo in a day with uh, John Waite and uh, Jonathan Kane. But i got to say, as all songwriters often do say later in their careers, listen to the actual master by Bad English, then listen to this demo and scrutinise for feel. And I must say, I do believe that a demo is better. I shouldn't have said that, but I believe it. Bless for me! Every day, every one of us do things that aren't the best choices for our health. And I think that's what you're doing, because you've tuned in to Radio Owl's Nest. Ah! The creaking door. Not good for your health. Does sound good, though, doesn't it? Let's hear it again one more time. Ah! Lovely. That means we are going way back into... <laughs> oh, thank you, Igor. My God, you are meaty, beaty. It's actually quite nice to hear your dulcet tones again. But he is saying it right. It is the vault. We're going back to the beginning. <coughs> that is um, actually a burning candle there and uh, some incense. Maybe I should... <coughs> do that um but going right back to the beginning of my songwriting career so this isn't good for your health absolutely you should leave the building now take your headphones off leave town um this was one of the first songs i ever wrote with my companion brian fairweather back in london i would imagine uh, in the middle of the 70s um and uh, a songwriter called simon may we were signed to zomba publishing they put us with simon but i'd started this song uh, on a casio keyboard which is the only keyboard i had uh, become quite famous because i used it on ghostbusters uh, a few years later when things became more successful and I did it in the, my, my flat on a actual two-track. It's not even in stereo. It's a mono two-track recording. And I'm even going poof, 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 poof with my voice to make uh, drum sounds, Simmons drum sounds. We had a... Okay! Okay! I know you want me to move on. <laughs> the creaking door is saying, get on with it. Uh, but you need to know the facts, don't you? So this demo is um, also brought to my attention because somebody uh, wrote to me and said that... Uh, they reminded me that the, the band Hot Gossip actually recorded this song. Now, Hot Gossip were a dance troupe, very, very, very sexy dance troupe, on England's very famous show, Top of the Pops. They eventually did a, a couple of records, and I believe... Uh, 
this song is even on um, YouTube with them performing it somewhere uh, that also could damage your health. So be careful, be careful. But uh, this is a demo that um, you can tell um, was just when uh, I was starting with Brian Fairweather and we did collaborate with Simon May to make it a little bit more commercial. Um, Very, very raw. Um, So I'm going to warn you. But anyway, there is, it's uh, quite a melodic little thing um, called Stolen Nights. It's so raw, you're going to even even hear the count off with a cowbell. We didn't even cut that off. And this is probably uh, as raw as it can get. Stolen Nights. The hiss, the noise, the hiss of analog recording. <laughs> you can't beat it, can you? Um, that's a song called Stolen Nights. I told you uh, this would be a dangerous show for you to listen to, bad for your health. But uh, going back into the vault to really the dusty bottom of the vault to find this demo, which a fan wrote to me and uh, told me he liked this song <laughs> by Hot Gossip. Um, funny enough, when I first came to America and I was playing it to my manager to be, I said, yeah, somehow if this was rocked up, it could even be recorded by Huey Lewis. Uh, I just thought that some, and I still feel that the chorus has that kind of melodic content that Huey Lewis could have done. Huey Lewis and the News, that's right, could have uh, could have uh, interpreted back then. But anyway, a real, 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 real ghost from the past, uh, a mono. <laughs> analog hissy hissy uh demo with one microphone and one drum machine at a keyboard a song called stolen nights the mood music uh, middle of the show the mood atmospheric ambient leading us into areas we've never been before I still haven't uh, found a title for this tune in the background. I think I asked you all what it should be called and add absolute silence. Silence. Maybe that was what you wanted me to call it. Silence. Anyway, this is the centre of the show when we get all atmospheric and I tell you things about my life that you wish you'd never learnt about. Alas, I'm going to do it anyway. We used to do a quiz 
But that quiz um, actually sent a lot of people to mental asylums, and I still feel guilty about that. So now I do this little section where I tell you a few things that also may send you to mental asylums again. Um, I thought I would relate to you because I think songwriters uh, don't always start off as songwriters. We don't really know what we're going to do until possibly a the last moment. And that was a bit like it was in my life because um, I really wasn't sure as a young man what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. And I was so full of enthusiasm for everything as my parents thought. I wanted to be an astronaut, a DJ. I wanted to be a, um, a, a an author, pilot. I wanted to be a designer of buildings I wanted to be um, a racing driver multitude of things used to pass through my head every hour um, but when I was 16 I think I've related this before I fell in love with football and did quite well as a 16 year old I did very well and uh, that's what I was going to be um, and then I thought no I don't think I'm going to be a footballer I was very confused I want to be a tennis player because I played for my county at tennis um, and then I thought, I want to be a golfer. A golfer, can you believe it? And I was awful. But I just thought it's lovely to be out here on the greens. Uh, so healthy. Um, and I've travelled to America with my parents a great deal because my father was working for British Aerospace. And I remember coming back when I was 18 years old and uh, my dad said, you're not doing anything with your life. You're a slob. And he was quite right. I was going out with my mates, getting drunk in the in uh, top-ranked suites and the, and the pier, listening to music. And music was beginning to come into my life. But I really, wasn't doing anything with myself um, and I'd not taken any exams because I was always escaping and running away to um, America I didn't take my 11 plus the 11 plus it was a big exam for kids in England thank God I escaped that but I hadn't taken any exams, so I had nothing behind me and so um, my father said yes again you're a slob and he said I can get you a job as a laborer a labourer at Follins Aircraft uh, Facility in Hamble, near Southampton. And my God, that was tough. And I had to accept it. Um, and I became a labourer, which meant that you did anything around uh, this the, the grounds. The, the, I was brought into the gardener's area of Follins, Hamble, and I was picking um, beans and working on roses and steamrolling uh, roads. <laughs> and planting seeds down by Southampton water, driving a tractor. And uh, at that point, I thought, well, this is it. This is what I've come to. But in uh, every time we had lunch break, I was reading um, music magazines and I was reading guitar chord magazines. And secretly, I thought, I have to become a musician uh, or learn about an instrument because it was beginning to touch me but uh, and I was and it was fascinating me I must have been about 18 or 19 years old and here I was as a laborer with a, a bunch of laborers that worked in Hamble who used to sniff glue uh, yes sniffed glue uh, so they were getting pretty high while they were planting the flowers and I remember that I was always hoeing uh, the, the flowers um, when all the pretty girls used to walk into the factory and they used to treat me like shit just look at me and go like oh god look at that man there he's a laborer and that did affect me because I thought um, I, I want to get away from this you know and I'm being looked down on uh, anyway I was there for about a year my mother didn't mind it so much because I would bring back cabbages I had to get on a on, on a uh, train at 5 30 in the morning to get from Southampton uh, train station down to Hamble and start at seven o'clock in the morning but at the end of the week I brought home a little a little paycheck I had to sign out and I also brought home vegetables and my mother said I do like these cabbages I don't mind you doing this but I was very unhappy very unhappy uh, every weekend I used to go dancing and um, with my mates down at clubs get too drunk and then have to turn up at 5 30 in the morning with a terrible hangover as a laborer um and they were lovely men i worked with but i thought i'm not very good at laboring i'm just not i'm not even very good at picking uh roses um and so i spoke to my father about it and said i'm not really enjoying this and he said well what else would you can you do and i said i think i have to go back to technical college and study again i need to get some exams behind me so as an older man i went back to technical college with a lot of kids and even older people than me to get my exams again and i got o level english literature can you believe that o level um english language can you believe that and uh, bloody hell 
week. I can't believe how I got this. Economic history. I got an O level for that, but I got A level, top grade, as an artist. So I thought, um, that's not bad. You know, uh, it comes down to enough O levels to get into art college. So I went to art college. Before that, I even contemplated being a chef. I was even going to go and get all the clothes for a chef and I was going to learn about cooking and my dad said, that's not a bad idea. Can you believe me with a chef's hat on? <laughs> I can't. I really can't. Uh, anyway, I went to art college and I studied graphic design and they liked me there. They really liked me there and I did quite well. Loads of lovely girls uh, who were going into fashion. It was a terrific place to be. Um, you were free. You got a grant from the government, which I bought a bass guitar with. And I, I decided that I would go to art college maybe three days a week, and the rest of the days of the week, I would do auditions. And that's what I uh, became. I became an auditioning art student playing bass guitar. And I joined my first band, professional band, Cabasa, in Oxford, after looking through The Melody Maker and uh, driving up to Oxford, doing an audition and staying there. I had to come back to my art college and I said, you know, I'm, I'll really, they're, they're going to tour Germany, I need to do this. And because they thought I was a good artist, they said, hmm, if it doesn't work out for you as a uh, musician, you can come back in a year's time. That's how good it was to be an art student. And lots of top musicians, as we know, Eric Clapton, Pete Townsend. Yes, we all went to art college and bummed off the government to get enough cash to buy guitars and amplifiers and to chase girls all around the country. There ends the early story of Pagey. Now I'm really thrilled to uh, play you this track uh, that I've just pulled out of the archives, out of the vault, um, again right down there at the bottom. It's a song I wrote with a terrific, terrific uh, Los Angeles artist um, from the 80s I worked with called, um, I think late 80s and into the 90s, Paul Delph. His name was Paul Delph. He was really quite exceptional and publishers in Los Angeles were really th trying to get him a record deal and they could tell that he was very special good-looking kid uh, and for an American he sounded like he really understood the new wave sound that was happening at that point in the 80s he was like an American Tom Dolby and a great singer lovely lovely lad um, I even contemplated taking him on the road um, as a keyboard player for my in the house of stone and light uh, tour and I uh, asked him to do that for me unfortunately he couldn't <clears throat> because he was ill and he died very early from uh, the AIDS outbreak at that point. Absolute tragedy. Um, <clears throat> his publisher really wanted to bring us together and Paul was such a um, creative writer. He, event he, he called me one day and said, I've got this track, but I don't have all the melodies or the lyrics. And um, I'm going to play you the demo that we did together. I wrote the lyrics and just helped with a few melodies, but all of it is just Paul. Paul was playing all the keyboards and doing the arrangements. In a lot of ways, he had this kind of sting thing about him as well um, in the way he phrased his singing. Great synthesizer parts. This is just an eight-track demo. And th and this kid, Paul Delph, used to just sit in his small room uh, at the publisher's office and do these demos. Um, uh, when I asked him to be my keyboard player for the tour after In the House of Stone and Light had broken, uh, he was really upset because he, he couldn't do it and he knew he was going to die. Uh, and he didn't really tell a lot of us what was happening, but that was when AIDS was uh, rampant here at that time. And this poor lad um, uh, didn't see a future in front of him that he should have had. Anyway, let me play you this track by Paul Delph and myself, a song called Danger Signs.
This is where we start Don't give me only half a demo by uh, a great artist um, called Paul Delf. Um, I wrote the lyrics and helped a little bit around the edges, but that's all Paul Delf. And such a tragedy that we lost this lad. I believe there's a fund that is still active out there um, regarding his life and uh, what he stood for. And um, I believe he's on the internet because some of the music he did um, is still being discovered. And you should look out for him, Paul Delf, because he did a loads and loads and loads of great music. And it was just a matter of time before he was going to have, uh, well, actually explode, I think, in, in Los Angeles. And I was trying to nick him for my tour um, uh, and just listen to his arrangement and how really for an American at that time when music was really changing and becoming very different with technology uh, in the 80s uh, had a real understanding of that romanticism and uh, the new wave edge that was happening um, anyway I wanted to play that I'm thrilled to play it because uh, I miss this man that's uh, Danger Signs with Paul Delf ooh I wanted to play this a bit of funk with the great drummer, Jimmy Copley, written with Bernie Taupin. At a time I was recording an album called In the Temple of the Muse, a track called Call My Spirit By Name.
That's the great guitarist Neil Taylor. Uh, yes, Tears for Fears, Robbie Williams and everybody else. He played on everybody's albums. And Jimmy Copley playing drums. Ah, lovely to play that funk. Reminded me of the period when I was recording an album called In the Temple of the Muse. I did a lot of uh, tracks for that album. Ah, it's the doorbell. Uh, yes, this is a live recording. It's the postman. Let me go and pick it up and come back. I'm back! And I've got my parcel from Amazon, as we all do. Um, anyway, back to the song, Call My Spirit By Name. I recorded a lot of songs for the album in the Temple of the Muse, and uh, a lot of them didn't get onto the album. And this is one of them. Very special to me because of the drumming of Jimmy Copley, uh, who we don't have with us anymore, um, and the, the great interplay with Neil Taylor playing guitars. Um, Sly and the Family Stone, getting rocked up. That's Call My Spirit By Name. Quite superb lyric by Bernie Taupin. So how does an owl's extraordinary hearing work? Well, you listen to Martin Page non-stop, all day, all night. No doubt about it. Some owls have ear tufts. I have hairy ears. But these feathers aren't used for hearing. I can't hear through the hair. No. They're more about communicating mood. Really? Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. In fact... The owl's whole head is designed for listening. Well, I do believe that, because you owl heads out there, you know your music. And I'm delighted to play you a brand new song, uh, not heard before, brand new, a song called The King's Wound, uh, from an album of mine called Zero at the Bone. I was reading um, some medieval history books about how people perceived the land and the countryside, and they saw the countryside as the king. And whenever the countryside and nature was harmed or wounded, they said the king has been wounded. And that imagery uh, really hit me, thinking about how we are in a battle for our lives and for the world with uh, global warming. And uh, so I wrote this song uh, called The King's Wound. Here it is. Harvest Lord, blow your horn That's curved like the moon And bring your soul to bear Upon the king's wound Lay your hands upon the land We will melt into the earth Let these rules be our veins Show to be 
Touch the cage. Heal the king's wound. Bend your branches down. Touch the king. Bend thy branches down. As I was writing this song, I could see the trees bowing down to the ground and trying to heal the ground and to think of the land as alive and the trees were trying to heal uh, the earth. It's a song called The King's Wound, a new one uh, from an album of mine called Zero at the Bone. It's that time, that time, yes, quote of the month, yes. Hit that bell, it's the quote of the month. And the quote comes from Oscar Wilde. It is perfectly monstrous the way people go about nowadays saying things against one that are absolutely and perfectly true. (laughs) Oscar Wilde. Yes, it does remind us, doesn't it? Instagram, Twitter, all the stuff we're dealing today on social media. (sighs) Oscar Wilde. And I do think Oscar Wilde would have loved that sound. The sound of a boiling kettle. What Englishman does not love that glorious sound? That does mean, though, we are coming to the end of uh, episode 43. My goodness, we're up there and we're still going. I'm rather proud. I I didn't think I'd get past three. And now I'm heading towards 50. That rhymed. I have to thank you out there, all you listeners, you owl heads, um, for being there. Because that encourages me and all your comments. It uh, We've been pretty consistent. We've kept it going through hell and high water. So I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you also to Vanessa Levitt, who keeps the whole thing going on the internet. And long may that be. Because in dark times and all times, we need music and art. And that encourages us and gives us hope. Music and art. Anyway, you know I don't go. I do not leave the building. I will not leave until I make a plea for the innocent animals out there. They do not belong to us. Animals are not ours to experiment on. Animals are not ours to eat. Animals are not ours to wear. And I know you know all that, you lovely owl heads. In the owl's nest. And animals are not ours to use for entertainment. And animals are not ours to abuse in any way. I'll see you soon again. Pagey, be strong.